Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 42 of The Snapshot. My name is Brendan Patrick. I'm joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom Cam Best. Cam, how has your week in Marvel Snap been? Uh, it got a little bit interrupted when I got a new kitty. Uh, she is she is acclimating very well, which is very, very nice. But it means I played a couple days less of Marvel Snap than I normally do. Normally, I try to make it only two days off at most, usually on the hot location days. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, this week there was an extra one because I was trying to get the cat acclimated here. Uh, so I do feel bad about that. But of course, daily uploads continued on YouTube. I have tried playing a lot of stuff, and nothing is better than Loki Elsa, and I suspect that remains true, and that's kind of a frustrating situation, given how entirely against nerfing these cards Second Dinner seems to have been, because it's like, I don't really know what's supposed to be better than that, like, you're just doing the best stuff you could possibly do, I can't really figure out a way that I'm actually supposed to legitimately beat it. Uh, and that's sort of just where I'm at. Mm. Uh, a lot of the other decks that I play tend to involve like Eliath 50-50s. Do I play Eliath here? Do I Doom? Whatever. And for whatever reason, my win rate in those scenarios on stream is very, very poor. Like I'll have like, you know, 57% win rate and like lose cubes because I'm just losing these high leverage 50-50s. And again, like I say, for whatever reason, I think a lot of people are going to take that to mean sniping. It might just be like I'm actually bad at thinking in those scenarios. Like it could just be like I'm actually bad at that aspect of Marvel Snap. That's entirely possible. Uh, and I think I actually lean towards that explanation. Like even if it is sniping, I do think I am bad in those situations. I think I'm not thinking about them from the opponent's perspective properly. And that leads to a lot of poor play in high leverage situations. So other than that, I mean, it's been solid. I broke 9K snap points, which is about rank 65 right now. But hopefully I'll be able to get the 9K snap points when it hits 69 screenshot. Uh, so that'll be nice. Mm. And uh, it's been like a reasonably solid climb. I am excited about trying Thanos. Uh, we'll see how that ends up going, but I'm excited for it because now that Brood is gone, there's a real case for Thanos as the best Alioth, you know, 100% lockup deck, uh, where it's just like you go, you're Professor X, big guy, Alioth, and as the meta trends more towards people playing Shang-Chi and Rogue, we end up in a situation where Aliathing on turn six with a big guy in a lane after Professor Xing to win another one is actually just a really good play again. So that's that's what's making me excited about Thanos right now. Since you've expressed your interest in game design, we had Glenn on the podcast in the past. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, from a design perspective, what kind of card would you introduce to the game to impact the meta that's dominated by Loki and Elsa Bloodstone without nerfing those cards? Uh, that's a really good question, and there's a reason why I don't get paid to do game design right now. <laughs> it, because it's a tough paradigm, right? I think my answer would be I would nerf those cards. Especially Loki feels like it's just absolutely free to take a power or two off the card. Like, just absolutely the freest it could ever be. But Loki's a weird case because high elo, I think the general consensus is it's the best deck. Mm -hmm. But everywhere else, his numbers seem totally fine. And decks that he usually just beats the shit out of, like move mid-range, seem to have like generically good win rates and cube gain rates in high, in like general infinite, right? And only in high elo does Loki become like this massively oppressive force. And so for that reason, it's like, I don't even think he's going to be on their radar, even though... I if he were if it were me in there, he probably would be on my radar because I consider that important because he's just sort of generically better than everything else that anyone can be doing, mm -hmm. even though I will say like and this is a testament to Elsa, the Loki Elsa deck is an Elsa deck first, like it is primarily an Elsa deck. And then the Loki is just there where it's like, well, they didn't play Mobius, so I'm just going to take my free win off this card. <laughs> That's. That's what's happening here. Uh, analogy time. The Loki, the Elsa deck is Callblade, and the Loki stuff is Splinter Twin. That's an analogy for all you people who are playing Magic in the year 2010, where it's just like, oh, well, we put the we put the free win card in the consistent shell, right? Now, now our consistent shell also has free wins. 
So that's cool, I guess. Yeah. Loki Loki's a bit harder to deal with because I think it's um like the power comes from a sort of fundamental paradigm that you're presenting to the opponent. And we said it a million times playing the deck cheaper. Um even if it's not your primary. Yeah, also game it's player. a also, it's a 3-5. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, Even, you're but, playing your deck cheaper, yeah, and you're probably like, ahead on board, because it's a fucking 3-5. What's the number for it, though? Because, like, I feel like Glenn was talking about There's this. no reason not to 3-4 it, at it, least. It would still, you'd, I mean, yeah. It, I think it would still be just as good. We might even have to walk it down from there, but I guess if they have access to OTAs, yeah. why not just walk it down? Why not? Elsa, on the other hand, though, that, that card just seems a little bit, over, maybe a little bit overstated. What do you think? Would you would you yeah. reduce it by a single power? Or like it, it feels like else has a card where if you could reduce it to uh, a half of you know, you could take a half a power off or something, it might be a nice little sweet spot. But um like she what would you is do with exactly Elsa? she is exactly the kind of card where you start thinking like, damn, what if you just multiplied every number in Marvel Snap by ten? That would give you so many more balance uh levers to pull. But of course it would make it a little bit more complicated than it needs to <laughs> much more be for the math. Uh, could you imagine the math, bro? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I will say, I will say, uh, I think that if you want to keep Elsa at three, based on how they tend to do this kind of stuff, based on how they tend to do balance, I would expect something along the lines of losing power on the card, mm -hmm. right? That way you maintain the high rolls, but you take a little bit off the low rolls. And that's that's how they do things, right? Like that's if it were me and I were in there consulting and I would know that the person this is going to is Glenn, what I would pitch is also going to two zero. That is what I would pitch. Uh because I know what he likes, right? Like he wants to make it so it's not consistently overstated and you have to put in the work to get the results out of it. That's the way they do balance. They want you to put in the work to get the results and they don't want you to just get it for free. So they chop the bottom off rather than the top. So instead of looking at, can we make Elsa only give two power? That's chopping the top off. You look at, can we make her as a body less valuable? So instead of getting you just like a two eight min, she's like a two six, right? If you get two procs mm -hmm. and that just like that, that is non-zero relevant it's not like the greatest thing on earth right <laughs> like it's not it's not something that's going to make her bad but it's something that's going to make her worse it's in the vein of like you know chopping the chopping the point off a of shuri right it's how they do balance so that would be my pitch i would make her a two zero to be honest i legitimately think that it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks like i think that they will make that exact balance change of changing it feels very power. up their alley yeah. It feels it feels extremely up their alley to do exactly that that change. So I, I I that would be my pitch. If I worked at second dinner, I would go to Glenn and I'd be like, look, can you just make her a two zero, mm. please? And with Loki, what do we do? We just keep walking it back until we see. Yeah, keep walking it down. And what just just make it a three four and see. What uh what sample set of data do we use to gauge if the card is yeah, uh, in the correct place or not? Do we look at that infinite? Do we look at all you know, kind of all ranges of ranks? Do we look at high infinite? Like, where do you think they should be looking at the data for Loki? Because it seems to be much more broken at the higher end of the ladder. That's why I think they just need to start walking it down. Yeah. Right. If you take it to three four, and that causes like this massive drop off in play rate at lower ranks, I would say that is like probably bad right mm -hmm. but i don't think that'll happen at three four yeah if they take it to three three i think it might right so i would just try you know walking them down just a little bit seeing what happens seeing if because my my honest theory is that one point of power matters a lot more at high elo than it does at, at low elo like that that that's my theory so i think that walking him down will actually produce a little bit disproportional benefits as people who are looking to like hyper optimize will end up valuing that one point of power more than someone who is just like i would like to play my opponent's cards mm -hmm. yeah the margins are definitely thinner uh sort of the higher you go up the ranks one thing yeah. i'll say is that um even if the win rate of Loki, or the win rate of any card, is is higher in a, at the higher at the high end of Infinite, at the top ranks of Marvel Snap, and it is not necessarily represented in the in you know lower ranks or something like that. I do think that over time, that that win rate will start to percolate down a bit more as people get more used to the card. There's more exposure to information, etc. It's like if the card is fundamentally overpowered, even if it will take time and it's not exactly represented uh like symmetrical at you know the top very very top end and sort of this like top of the bell curve as well in the middle um i think over time like that card 
will sort of realize its full potential in those ranks. Over how much time? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no That's idea. That's the issue, I think, right? I think it because should like be, when you, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a lot more time than you think. Mm-hmm. Because in order for Loki to be good, you need to know if this is a Loki matchup or not. And if you're just a, and like, I don't think people really think about that kind of stuff, right? Like, you need to know: Am I Lokiing here? Am I investing in Collector? Is this a deck that plays Shadow King? Am I going to try to loot to rogue their loot cage? Right? Like, do I even want to be playing Collector in the deck at all? Right? Like that is because the thing about Collector in the Loki decks, I know Tanjo, the current number one player, cut Collector, and I think the most compelling argument for cutting Collector is you don't it, he slows down your elsa plays and your elsa plays are your best draws and i think that is something that once you understand you start to realize like oh this isn't really a loki deck anymore right like loki's just there for when you just want to like get some free wins in specific matchups like he's a specific matchup card and i still have collector in mind because i think that's like a little bit of a bridge too far for me right now uh i totally understand why you would do it but i still have collector in my loki uh, and the main issue that he presents for me is that if you're trying to Elsa, he kind of sucks because the way you play collector is he's your off lane big guy, right? You usually don't want to invest in the collector lane. You just put him in a lane and be like, all right, he's soloing that lane. Mm-hmm. And that takes you off track for Elsa. So if you're looking to Elsa, your top plays are usually something like one drop two drop Elsa plus kitty. That's what you want to be doing, right? But if your two drop is the collector, it takes you to like turn five before you can actually start getting Elsa value. And that's a really interesting like tension in the list because you end up in the spot where you're going like, all right, I'm playing a one drop over here and then I'm putting an Angela there. And then do I have to save this one drop for the collector? And then if I fully invest in the Loki game plan here, what happens if they run Shadow King or Shang-Chi? Do I just absolutely die? What if they're a Mobius Shadow King deck? Am I screwed? What if I have to rogue their Mobius before I play the Loki, which takes me off of my Elsa game plan? Like there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. And between those things it, it 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 is just a really hard deck to play mm-hmm. this is not even getting into like how hard it is to win with your opponent's cards right like this is not even not even touching that we're not even there yet like just generally though it's just probably the hardest deck mm-hmm. in marvel snap to play at any kind of reasonable level and i think for that reason when you talk about the time frame it'll take to trickle down i think about like league right over the course of 10 years yeah gold became as good as what pros were in 2011 sure whatever but like that's that's 10 years i don't think the time frame on this game is the same and i think it will legitimately take a ton of time before your average rank 70 player is thinking about stuff like their sequencing in order to get oh like their sequencing and their priority and what the upsides and downsides of focusing on the loki game plan versus the elsa game plan in the specific matchup based on them playing one card right because you have to make these decisions on like turn two which means you need to have a good idea of what the metagame is to know that like okay my opponent played uh let's say my opponent played bucky barnes right you need to know that that could be that that actually for me, the, the most likely outcome for a Bucky Barnes deck is actually not a full destroy deck. It's like the sort of mid rangey Shang-Chi type destroy deck because the full destroy deck isn't actually playing Bucky Barnes at all because they don't they aren't particularly interested in that because they're ten, they tend to be much more focused on like explosive power. They tend to be like Zola decks some of the time, Null decks, X-23 decks. They're not really into Bucky and like it you have to know all that and make a read and make a play based on that like and that's really hard to do and you're you're still guessing a little bit it's just like an informed guess right if I see a Bucky I'm thinking okay they probably play Shang and they're probably not a good target for my Loki but they also might play Killmonger. Maybe they play Invisible Woman Killmonger, which means I want to prioritize things that are not Kitty Pride on my Elsa. What does my hand let me do? Can I go for like Jeff Elsa stuff? Like there's 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 just a lot going on. Do I need to Loki small in order to keep Collector out of Shang range? What if they run Shadow King? Do I have a good rogue target in this matchup? What am I like there there's 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 a lot. 
there's also like, okay, if they're a Deadpool deck, right, we need to think about like, okay, the thing I want to do then is like a turn five Mirage type thing so that I can get that Deadpool and then end up with it. I need to focus on my own Mobius. This all pushes me away from being a uh, Loki deck at all. And then you have to think about Lady Deathstrike, right? Like there's there's just a lot of things you have to think about and you have to extrapolate them all on turn two when you make a commitment to the game plan. Yeah, I do think that in the current day, in 2023, people do get better at things faster than they did even 10 years ago, five years ago. Because mostly, not because the necessarily the technology has changed, but the sort of, it feels to me like this is the era of content creation, where if you went back to the OG days of League to find a content creator, to find a streamer, um, you know, they were kind of few and far between where it's like now, if you look at the top end of a leaderboard of almost any game, pretty much all those people make content. It's more of, they're more the exception rather than the example if they don't make content. And because of that, good, inf you know, information is able to be acquired very readily. So I, I don't know how long it would take for Loki, but I do think, you know, I don't know. Basically, my main argument is that whatever is happening at the top end will make its way down to sort of the the top of the bell curve or, or somewhere in the middle. Um, and if Loki is a fundamentally broken card uh, at high elo, it will be a fundamentally broken card soon enough at normal rank or whatever whatever rank it, it doesn't matter you know okay all right otas uh, i love these OTAs. otas yeah so i i can't remember exactly if you asked uh glenn about widow spice specifically i feel like you did i feel like you did so we, we did bring up black widow yeah yes. it was you uh, and it was you it was you brought it up so um mm -hmm. the widow's bite has changed of black widows a black widow is a two one that puts a widow's bite in your opponent's hand that says while well, this is in your hand and this is in your opponent's hand remember they uh you can't draw cards so they have to play it on the board it used to be a zero zero now it's a zero minus one i think you specifically mentioned this card as um bringing it up by in the reference to not making it too good because it's kind yep. of a toxic card. Like no one really yes. enjoys having a widow's bite in their hand. Um, I'm not sure how, how enjoyable it is to put a widow's bite in your opponent's hand. Cause there's, there's enough, there's enough user feedback there. Anyway, they buff the card. I mean, adding minus one to it is it's not nothing. What are your thoughts? Um, one from a impact on this being a playable card. Cause you know, black widow isn't really a playable card. Um, and also from um, like a, design philosophy how do you feel about this uh she's playable now i think this is a great buff actually because she ends up at a point where it's like okay this card is playable mm -hmm. but and this is important but they did the weakest possible buff they could do to her if they made her a 2-2 that's stronger than this because those are stats that you actually get and you get control over and they can't carnage or throw in a death's domain or throw in god forbid a bar with no name right like Every possible buff they could have done to her is stronger than this one. And so I think if you are going to do a buff to her, this is the correct mentality to have, which is do the least you can do. <laughs> like This is the weakest buff they've ever given anything. It's less than a point. Mm -hmm. And that that is a smart decision in my view. Yeah, there's not a lot of other knobs. I mean, the other knob they would tweak is the the power on on or the cost. Yeah, well, if they tweak the cost, yeah, the cost on Black Widow. If they tweak if they tweak the cost on Widow's Bite, I feel like that card would be hilariously overpowered because you would effectively yeah, time walk your opponent yes. off of their turn. So you would take on turn three, going into turn four, you play this. Their turn four is now their turn three. It's like it's so bad for them, and they have to lose a spot. Um, I would love to play that card. It'd be hilarious, but I think it'd be OP. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have um, White Tiger. So White Tiger is a 5-1 that makes a uh, Tiger Spirit in a random lane that used to be a 5-7, but is now a 5-8. Uh, the sentiment I saw on Twitter was that this was just, it's a buff, but it's not enough to sort of push it over the edge. And I don't know. Did you did you try to do any sort of funky combo-y Wong stuff with Hell this? No. Or this? It's still just too cute, right? It's not like good. Okay, so the issue, there are two things that cause issues here. First, you compare it to Claw, right? And what Claw does is spreads its power a mm -hmm. little bit better. I think White Tiger and Claw are very comparable early game cards, right? Like that they are filling in similar roles here. Claw's just a little bit better at it. And because it is able to go in both lanes, you get a four and a six rather than a one and an eight. Though the, the closer that split is, the better 
generally speaking, because that's the kind of thing you're going to be playing the card for is to target two lanes. With White Tiger, you're not actually targeting two lanes. The upside, of course, is you get things like Wong and Odin. The issue with decks like that is they get Omega Eliath. And so it's like, oh, I really can't do much about that, can I? Mm-hmm. And as much as I like the idea of being able to play Wong again, you just get Eliath to death, and then, then that's just very, very upsetting. So I think, weirdly, if you wanted to make White Tiger better, you needed to add the power to her, not to the spirit. Like, if she if she were, again, like, if you compare her to Claw, if she were like a 4-6, for creating a 6, that'd be incredible, right? That'd be a way better than Claw, I think, or maybe not even way better than Claw, but the on the it'd be much better in early pool stuff because of the uh, Odin synergy, right? Mm. But that's what you'd need to do to make her like competitive playable, that kind of thing. Yeah. Speaking of early pool stuff, I haven't been there in a while. I did at one point replay back through um, to Infinite from like a like a zero account, um, but. My go-to deck, I think, into like pool two, and yeah, it's all kind of murky to me. Like, what is pool two? What is pool three? I, I would play the unrevealed deck. That was my go-to deck, and I guess this made this made it better. It was the White Tiger Odin stuff. Those mm-hmm. um, all right. Here's a here, this is a good one. Forge. So Forge was previously a two one. This said unrevealed. Give the next card you play plus three power. It was buffed now. It's been changed to a one one that says unrevealed. Give the next card you play plus two power. I'm just gonna let you take this one away. It's better, probably, but the best deck that played Forge is now significantly worse, mm-hmm. right? And that would be Brood Abs, right? Which is good, because that deck sucked. Like, that. the premise of that deck was just the points and Eliath. And it's like, there are so many more interesting iterations of that strategy. Both the Move deck and the Thanos deck are more interesting than that in terms of how they play out. And the brood deck is just like, haha, behold, I put 27 points onto the board. Enjoy. You die. And it's like, all right, okay, that's cool. Do that. Take your cube. You got it. And I think that Forge getting nerfed makes it much, or nerfed in that context, I yeah. should say, makes it a much more dynamic card. Because it's definitely a card that is better in something like Elsa Kitty Shuri. It's definitely a card that is better in something like Deadpool now. And it is no longer as good in trying to abuse it with Brood, right? So that, I think, is like a very solid change. It is one of the better one-drops in the game right now. Just basically a 1-3, arguably better than a 1-3 because of the ability to actually target where that power goes. And that just on rate is a card that, you know, those pool one and two players in their zoo decks maybe should be considering a lot more because it is now just baseline extremely strong. And of course, it has one cost. And that is it's interesting how many buffs there have been to like pool two zoo. You get Forge, got the Squirrel Girl buff. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, it's real. It's real. It's I wonder real how thing. much they consider that when buffing in different cards, the the pool one pool two experience i mean i'm assuming they don't balance around like i mean that's weird yeah i've never really thought about that do they mm-hmm. do they take into consider consideration games being played with the entirety of the card pool or like some percentage of the card pool like 90 95 percent 80 percent or they actually also taking into serious consideration which they probably are because it's a new player experience what what it looks like when you play 30 percent of the cards or 40 percent of the cards huh i don't know it's an interesting thought but yeah there have been some buffs yeah. All right. Alioth. Um, I just want to bring up, I, I was talking, this is literally last episode. I was like, cause we had a, we had a really nice comment on the last, on the last episode pod that said Galactus sucks and deserves all the hate. And I said, at what point are these people just going to direct their hate towards Alioth? And you're like, that's a dumb question. They already do. Well, Alioth was yep. a six, five and it said on reveal, destroy all enemy cards played here this turn, including unrevealed cards. Now it's a six, three. On reveal, destroy all enemy cards played here this turn. Do you think this is enough of a nerf? I mean, it is significant. Two points yeah. off the top. I mean, I don't even. I don't even think he was broken previously. Just like really annoying. Like, and now he's still really annoying, but a little bit more beatable. And that's really all you needed to do to the card. He's still one of one in terms of the role he fills, right? Like because of the way they massacred leader and arrow, there's only really one card that helps you slam the door in that way. Mm. And that's Eliath, right? 
And for the record, my pitch is they should bring back Old Arrow. Uh, Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's too stupid. Maybe they should bring back like five, six Old Arrow. But like I, I, I that is sort of where I'm at. Let's bring it. Bring Arrow back to where she was before they made her a five, eight, make her a five, six and give her her old ability back and just see where that goes. Because part of what made Arrow so strong was wave. Mm-hmm. And with Mobius around as legitimate counterplay to wave, suddenly you're like actually in a ton of trouble. There's a bunch of ways to spread power now. Like people are just playing a shitload of Doctor Doom and they weren't at the time. And now like you can actually like beat that card. I think shit make make her a five five and give her that ability. I don't really care. Yeah, um, fun card to play but with. I, I just right. I just think that like the specific thing that Eliath does because there are no alternatives to it will mean that he will continue to see play Mm -hmm. because he is the only option for that. And uh, I guess maybe they need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what other kind of priority based win conditions they can create because Eliath is, I I don't know if there's one that people won't get mad at, but (laughs) like uh, the fact that there's only one right now and People are really mad at it. I mean, maybe if they made it clear that like, hey, this is going to be a viable style of play. We're going to actually put some of these cards in here. You're going to be able to play like this. It's it's encouraged and expected. Uh, then maybe if there were more options, because like the reason Eliath is in all these decks is because there's no other options. If you want to play like that, you have to play him. And so maybe if there were other options, his play rate wouldn't be so ridiculous. Mm. So I'm going to bring up some words you used in, in regards to mm. the the echoes of Eliath, you know, previous previous cards that did some of things. You said massacred, right? So arrow leader massacred. At what point is Eliath just going to get massacred? Because it's we saw it's probably not. You don't think so? It's not going to no, follow suit. Um, no, I I think that they are very clearly interested in making a priority win con that is not old leader and old arrow. Mm-hmm. I think they are attempting to do that. I think the thing that is the most bothersome to me about Eliath is the way it puts you in these situations where you can either play around Eliath or play around literally fucking anything else. And that's the thing that sucks the most for me because I do most of my gameplay on stream, so I, I tend to not win those situations. <laughs> but Eliath like, is a strong card, probably not one that's imbalanced. And most of why it's a problem is it's very, very annoying. Mm-hmm. I think they've shown it creates a, gameplay patterns that are really, really annoying and people don't tend to enjoy them. I think that they've shown a tendency to balance more um, in a way that would lead to a better play experience, quote unquote, <laughs> um, or at least a be- subjectively better play experience rather than strictly balancing for power. Um, I think that play experience exists higher on the totem pole than uh, strict quantitative power does. So I could see Eliath getting hit a, a little bit more if like the, I don't know if, I don't know how much credence they give to um, you know, how much people hate it and complain about it on Twitter, but it did seem like, you know, I mean, Galactus, different card. I understand that, but Galactus did get a lot of hate and progressively was nerfed, 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 nerfed. So I don't know. Galactus if- is more egregious than a priority win condition. Mm-hmm. Especially a priority win condition is limited that is limited to one lane. More egregious right? than uh pro like turn four profex and that whole deck though. Because I no, think that specific thing is pretty egregious. And the act that actually is the closest analogy to Galactus, but it takes so much more to pull off, right? You need to have the Psylocke or Time Stone into the Profex. You need to be winning the Profex lane in a way that they can't get a Jeff into it. You need to also be able to play around an Elsa Jeff, which is really, really actually tough to do. You need to be able to make sure you win that lane d- demonstrably and then also have, you know, Dino Eliath for the other one, right? Like it is harder to do that than it is to play Electro Hobgoblin Galactus Eliath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a lot harder to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's a little bit higher cube equity because, you know, you're a Thanos deck. People are going to be like, ah, he doesn't really have it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that honestly, the main reason I didn't, um, I didn't like Columbia with Galactus uh, very much was because it felt like 
I either was getting one cube a game because my opponent would leave and realize I had one, or I was losing a lot of cubes because my opponent had some random ass card or had the tech card and, you know, I had to go for another 50 50, or I'm retreating. But yeah. Um, anyway, Sherry, yep. Sherry previously was a 4 2 set on reveal if you play your next card at this location, double its power. It now says the same thing, but it is a 4 1. Um, how impactful? Oh, no. Yeah, anyway. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's something that it, it really is. It really matters, but it doesn't change the deck at all. Um, I it think. is impactful in the sense that the way to beat the deck is to flip the lane the Shuri Red Skull is in, but it's not impactful in the sense that I would still play Shuri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Man Thing came out this week. It's a four or five, says ongoing one, two, and three cost cards. Uh, one, two, and three cost cards. Here have minus two power. Uh, Cam, how do you feel about the impact of this card after having the chance to play with it? It's actually like a, for a 3000 card, it's better than most, I would say. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember the like most recent 3000 cards like Ravona comes to mind. Was it Mobius? Like, Legion was 3000. Oh. Mobius was 3000. Yeah. And for a 3000 card, it's below Legion and Mobius, but above probably most of the rest, I would say. But mostly what this guy does is just be really big. He's just like a four nine to eleven to thirteen. Like he's just he's just a lot of numbers. Um and he's also weirdly immune to rogue because it's like, ah, you've stopped my ongoing effect that was affecting both of us anyway. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's fine, right? Like I I think Man Thing's like a genuinely solid card just as a guy you play for stats, but he's not like, you know, blowing the doors off anything. I think he's not good in this meta, um, but could exist in just like a good card soup deck in the future. Yeah. Um so that's the kind of guy that's the kind of card he is. He's like a good card soup card where yeah. he's just like, all right, I'm playing loot cage. This is a fucking 412 or whatever. And like, lot, here, here's my enormous idiot. A lot of people, I mean, even on our comments last week, could talking shit about a man thing. They're like, they're like, obviously, this thing was going to have no impact. It's like, no, this card is this card is pretty good. It's a good card. It's a good card. It's just right now we're doing Elsa Loki things. And yeah, I mean, that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of stuff. All right. I want to get your. You know, we, we always do our preseason predictions on the cards, but just because this card is coming out tonight, uh, when people are listening to this, I want to get your thoughts on it. It's Black Knights, one, two, says after you discard a card, add the Ebony Blade to your hand with that card's power once per game. Ebony Blade is a four, zero. What are your thoughts? So for the record, I don't think the card is coming out tonight. It should be coming out Tuesday at three, right? They changed it. Did they change it? Yeah, then I got you baited. I think they changed it. Okay. Uh, Black Knight is a card that seems very all or nothing to me, but I could be wrong. It strikes me as just like a very all in type guy. And I think my main worry with Black Knight is, holy shit, that thing's going to get Shadow King so hard. (laughs) That's that's my main worry is like if I play a fucking Black Knight deck, my my little guy is getting so shadow kinged. That ebony blade is a four zero. I am getting demolished, right? Like that's that's my worry. You're investing in a big guy, a four. Uh, like you're if you're playing this card, you're playing it because you think the ebony blade is going to win you a, a, a lane, mm-hmm. right? You think you think that card's going to win you a lane, yeah? And you're doing that. And so what happens when that card you think is going to win you a lane does not win you a lane is you lose eight cubes. So this card also like, has to be better when that than- card gets Shang Chi'd, when that card gets Shadow Kinged, you lose eight cubes. And those cards are coming back in force, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, this card existing at the four slot, I guess you would run it in tandem with uh, Dracula, but if you're evaluating the power and the risk of playing it, I think you need to evaluate it right next to Dracula, and Dracula isn't subject to any of those cards. Uh, it isn't subject Correct. to Shadow King, isn't subject to Shang-Chi. Um, so it's interesting. I think that the deck that it would exist in would be high variance at best. It's definitely not going to yeah. be an Elsa Loki deck. Like, it's... Uh, I mean, people are shit-talking. So one thing that... If, if Mobius didn't exist, one thing that I would want to kick around is like you do a final turn Ghost Rider Ebony Blade after discarding the Infinite, 
<laughs> that would be Alpha Zabu, right? Mm-hmm. So like you'd have the three three, right? They they both cost three, but Mobius exists, which makes that a little bit sussy, mm. I think. But that would be that would be something I would be trying to do is like you Lady Sif and Infinite, and then you you like you you Zabu, you just like play some other cards, and then your final turn is just forty power. That seems pretty good to me. Yeah, I mean that that's a good. I don't know how consistent it'd be, but it'd be a good a good Johnny deck, right? Like it's a, it does this crazy yeah. thing once every few games. But um, last thing I want to ask you in regards to the news is, what were your thoughts on the Midnight Suns uh, takeover? Uh I got a couple of them. I got Doom, Profex, and Spider Man. Those are good ones. And I wasn't very interested in the rest of them. And I, I I'll tell you, I like Bucky Barnes as the Hanged Man a lot. But it's a card that's never actually going to be on the board. So if they, if they made the token also that, it'd oh, be awesome. Yeah. I think that's a really, like, some of them are really clever, right? But that card is never going to be on the board. So it kind of just is what it is. Yeah. I got Profex and another one. I mean, I would like, I would have liked to have gotten more, but they were, oh man, they were Pricey. so expensive. Do we want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they Do we were... want to talk about that? Cause like, I saw, I saw a bunch of people being like, oh, second dinner, you fucked up. You should, if I, if these were 700, I would have bought so many, but at 1200, I'm not going to. Your prices are exploitative. And I think that like, there are, of all the things that are exploitative in this game, charging a bunch for cosmetics is the least. Like, it is the, like, what you actually mean is, I'm mad I can't afford this, which is valid. <laughs> I want to be real. Like, that's valid. I just sort of think that, like, okay, look, charging a shitload for desirable cosmetics is actually good. You want this game to soak the whales. That's what you want. You want people like me spending $60, I think, I don't actually know, on on JPEGs. That's what you want because that subsidizes you. You want people making those bad financial decisions if you're like a free-to-play player, if you're like someone who doesn't want to spend a lot of money on the game, if you're like someone who doesn't want to spend 1,200 gold on a skin. You want that to be subsidized. You want that to be subsidized by idiots like us. And, you, you know, you're welcome. Um... But like things that are actually exploited, there are things that are actually exploitative in this game. Charging up, people need to understand the difference between things that are exploitative and charging a lot of money for something. Because I see this a lot like Second Dinner selling a bundle for $100, that's exploitative. It's like, no, 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 that's expensive. That's a different thing. That's not exploitative. That's just charging a bunch of money. But there's nothing exploitative about saying, this is how much I want to sell this for. What's exploitative is kind of like the rest of it, right? (laughs) Like the way in which currency obfuscates how much money you're actually spending on the game. The fact that there are so many different currencies now, and the only purpose of those currencies from a game design perspective is to make it more confusing and make it so you make worse financial decisions, Mm. right? Also That's exploitative. they get around gambling right. laws or something like that yes yeah that's exploitative this is not yeah. that that like charging a bunch of money for something that's not exploitative because you don't need that that's a luxury good you don't need a marvel uh a midnight sun skin that's not gonna prevent you from winning it's actually probably good that they're charging a bunch of money for that because that means that they have to charge less money for people getting cards, Mm -hmm. right? Like people always say, oh, they should just monetize off of cosmetics. And then when they actually do monetize off of cosmetics, they're like, oh my God, not like this. (laughs) I wanted to afford them. What do you mean? I want you to, I want you to monetize other people, not me. I do think that stop releasing things I want to buy that are too expensive. I do think Marvel Snap is too expensive. And yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's not a controversial opinion, but you know, being but what makes it too expensive is not the fucking variants. It's not the skins. But what I will say, I know yeah. I'm kind of tangenting here. But what I will say is that after playing this game since release, you know, for a few months now, the price of it is starting to annoy me. Where before it was like, you know, I could, I was really having a lot of fun. I could yield some money in. Where now it's like, if I want to maybe not spend money for a month here, or like it, it, it's getting annoying. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Really, I I am not actually a spender anymore. Yeah, I wasn't. I get, so I, I just, I'm not use, I'm not using my collector tokens. You're going to be like, Brennan, how many collector tokens why? do you have? None of your Brennan, business. how many collector tokens do you have? <laughs> how, many co- how many do you have? None how many, you. how many do you have? How many do you have? 26,000. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use them when I need them. Okay. I use them for 3,000 token cards and I, so I, do I, I, I that's fair. That. Um, 
I just wish that in order to engage with the game, and I'm sure that people who play the game more casually feel this like X10, it wasn't hundreds of dollars each month. Like that, it it gets, uh, there's a fatigue, there's a fatigue that comes with that. And um, I don't, it, it just, it feels like it's mounting up and I wish the game was cheaper. I, I do at this point, I just wish the game was cheaper. And I, know I do. I, fuck. I wish the best deck wasn't a deck with two battle pass cards in it. Yeah. I can do battle passes, dude. I can do $10 a month every day of the week. I just can't do there this thing. There are people thing. who can't, though. I, but I can't, I can't do... There's also a $100 card in here where you could get it for $25 or whatever this if you get lucky on the caches, and we, we've just explained that system. But that part annoys me. Like, the $10 stuff, if this game cost $10 a month to play, if it was like a subscription fine you know for fine and i know for some people it's like they can't afford that and they're free to play but the hundred plus dollars <laughs> is too expensive what's the last time you opened spotlight caches uh recently to be honest recently yeah i feel like it's got to be more than a month ago yeah um other than that i just buy with my tokens because i just don't feel right. like putting money in so yeah. how many spotlight caches do you have spotlight caches saved up yeah zero what? How's that possible? Because I just what'd you I, do? I just don't. I just don't upgrade. I just let it all sort of rack up. That's oh it. my god! I have like eight or nine. Yeah, I just so one thing I hate more than anything, KM, and this has nothing to do with the money or any of that. Is that if I if a news if a card comes out that I want and I don't want to pay six thousand tokens for it, the process of getting the credits or just actually just spending my credits to open four spotlight caches yeah. takes a solid thirty minutes. It does minutes. take a while. Takes a yeah. It's so freaking annoying. Um, but you know, I guess yeah, I've got like I've got like a solid buffer at this point, right? Because I have like I don't know how many spotlight caches saved up. It's more than two rotations. I know that. Mm -hmm. I have like thirty thousand tokens, so I'm set there. And I have like a decent amount of credits and gold if it ever really comes down to that, which it probably won't. So I am at this point basically free to play. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. I get my 2,000 gold a month from second dinner, which honestly, I haven't gone below like 10K gold in a very long time anyway. Yeah. I might buy one big bundle if there's like something cool in it. So I guess I like, I'm not free to play, but I'm not like buying every bundle out here, right? Like I bought, the, I, buy, I, buy, I buy the cosmetics I like, I think mostly. Like I bought the Zola Game Boy. Hmm. Uh, I don't even yeah, play yeah. Zola. I just wanted the avatar, right? <laughs> like, I I buy cosmetics and stuff, and then I get the cards that I want when they come out. I've I am so bad at opening spotlight caches, but that's okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm weak, that, that I'm weak to, to weak on these caches, bro. It's bad. I'm like that's crazy. I'm surviving. It, like I I <laughs> I have I have ended up in the spot where I just have like you know, just a ton of shit. Like I just have. I just have just so much stuff that it, I don't even engage with the system in the way other people do anymore. Like I, I have ascended. I'm like Jeff Bezos of Marvel Snap. I, I don't even have. I'm no longer connected to reality. I'm just wearing shiny shirts and shaving my head. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I'm also not in reality because I've been hoarding tokens. But I will say, as a spokesperson for the people that are in reality, it's too expensive. <laughs> like it's too oh yeah, it's gotta make it cheap. Like you want to talk about exploitative? I think the dynamic where they give you ten cards for free and the other two cost a hundred dollars—that's exploitative. <laughs> like oh, yeah, that's exploitative. But charging like seventy-five dollars for a death card back and her looking like a mech is not exploitative charging mm -hmm. 1200 gold for a midnight sun's skin is not exploitative like it's just expensive and yeah. the difference between expensive and exploitative is important to understand because the more you call shit like that exploitative the more people who like know what words mean are going to think you're a fucking idiot yeah or they just won't take your claim seriously and like there are things that need right. to be seriously talked about when it comes to the economy the there game. are yes i would um there's surely a name for the economic theory that would associate this, but uh, yeah, I wonder. There exists a price at which you know you reach the perfect amount of demand and you sell the most, right? And if the price goes up, you actually sell less yes. and you make you make less money. I wonder if seven hundred would have made them more money, or if twelve hundred made them the most money based off sales, because the higher the price goes, the less sales you get theoretically. And I wonder if seven hundred would have been the better okay. middle ground. 
I think people tend to propose that because they feel like they would have bought them at 700, right? Like people tend to think that the price point they would purchase it at is the perfect price point because of course they do, right? I don't know if it is or it isn't, but what I do know is that when a lot of people think about equilibrium price point, what they mean is the price at which I would purchase this. And that's not the same as the actual equilibrium price point, which optimizes profit, right? Just because you would purchase it here and not at 1200 doesn't mean that a bunch of people would do that. Or it doesn't mean that enough people would do that to make up the difference, right? Because that's what it has to be about. It's about the marginal efficiency of it, right? Like that, if at 700, okay, so what, 7 twelfths, like 60-ish percent, right? I'm just ballparking it here. Uh, so do you think that you would be able to see a 66% increase go that, that is going from, you know, 700 to... 1200 again ballparking it do you think you'd be able to see like a nearly uh a, a nearly 66 to 70 percent increase in in sales by discounting it that much do you think that that would happen because that's what you would need to make it more profitable do you think they would sell 1.6 times as many mm. if they put it at 700 like i i don't know <laughs> well i'll tell you all of that is very intellectual but i'll tell you what really would happen is i would have bought the same exact ones but I bought them yep. for cheaper because <laughs> there's a yep. few I really that's, liked. That's <laughs> yep. That's exactly what would have goddamn happened, and you know it, right? Like, like that, like that's the issue, right? Like for like the they every. I'm not saying I know for sure they priced it right because obviously I don't know shit. But when you think about the the difference between seven and twelve, like you need to in order to make a claim like, oh, I think you'd make more money. First of all, I think anyone who says I think you'd make more money if you put it at seven hundred, uh, absolutely put them on the pay no mind list because how are you making that claim, right? You're, you're making that claim based on, I would buy it if it were 700 and I will not, if it were 1200. And that is just so fundamentally dumb to make like a, a, an objective, a claim about objective reality based on your subjective experience mm. in that sense. Even like, second dinner like, couldn't make the claim because they couldn't appropriately split tests yeah. to make the claim. Yes, even Second Dinner with all their backend data could not do an A-B test on so, this. So that's what I'm saying. Stop being, so stop being buttheads and just make it 700. <laughs> you know, like, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to bend Look, it. Gotta... My, my, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I will say my general policy on everything in the game is it should be cheaper, but I do suspend that policy for skins. Like, they're skins. It's fair. If they were gameplay pieces, okay, yeah, sure. The Mobius bundle is, like, a little bit weird to me. I will say that. Like, that Mobius bundle is like, okay, are you sure about this? That one, that one, that one sets off my alarms, right? right the same as that Mobius, original Darkhawk bundle. Yes. Right after Mobius came out, that was freaking hilarious. I bought that, Right, by the that way. Mobius bundle sets off my alarms. I didn't buy it, by the way. The Darkhawk bundle set off my alarms. That's the kind of shit that sets off my alarms, right? Where they have price tags attached to the game pieces like that. Mm -hmm. But if it's a cosmetic, fucking soak me. Do it. Just soak me. I Soak the whales. Like, mm -hmm. I, that's what you do it. Hell yes. The my, more they do that, the more I like it. My favorite thing about mobile marketing is how on the nose and borderline insulting it is to our intelligence as human beings. When they put the banners that say, wow, or three X value, I'm just like, Who? the wow banner is a joke. It that's is? a funny joke. Oh. That's a funny joke. So those like, like, that's value, like, that's great like that. value, all that stuff. It's no, just the, like... the, the wow banner is like them lampshading it. Right. Mm. I mean, that that's the Owen Wilson. Wow. Joke. Right. Is it actually, did you not get that? No. Yes. It's Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the joke, and they're making a joke. They're it's, they're doing a funny, Brendan. It's not insulting to your intelligence. Your intelligence isn't high enough to get the joke. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, it is insulting, and I'm sure a lot oh of people are, are there with me. Yeah, you know, right at the top of the bell curve. It's We're like this is like when you didn't realize that Mobius M. Mobius meant his middle name was also Mobius because he's a Mobius strip representing infinity. It could be Michael. Like, I mean, I just. Could have been anything. All right, we got a big Ben yeah. snap section. We got a big yep. Ben snap section. Wow. All right, this is wow. from an unsought thought, which is pretty funny. And it says, I think an exception Never to um, this was in regards to our conversation in uh, about information, Howard the Duck, etc. So I think an exception to that information um, is not where information is not worth the cost is probably Daredevil and White Queen. I don't play cards like yes. Howard or Watu, 
because as you said, it's just not worth the cost, but Daredevil, Daredevil gives you full precognition of turn five. You can react to your opponent plays on turn five in real time. In certain decks, absolutely feel Daredevil is necessary as an inclusion because he will make your turn five strategy way more consistent, um, way more consistently in your favor. White Queen is good because not only her stats are decent, yes, um, but she lets you know your, what your opponent is most likely going to be playing on turn six unless they top deck something else, and perhaps um, you can play their card too. Not many cards in Snap provide good information at a reasonable cost. Yes. Hell, there's literally a big bad who shtick is, informa- is information and nobody plays him because it's flawed. Um, if, you rewind to, if you rewind using Kang, people will retreat and you'll miss out on cubes, but a few cards like Daredevil, White Queen are definitely a great value out to decks where the information can be very valuable. I think that's so a good point. That's absolutely true. Uh, but I do want to I do want to say White Queen is kind of cheating here, right? Because we did say, you know, if you slapped draw a card on any of these cards, they'd be really good. And White Queen is actually just slapping draw a card on her. Like you don't play White Queen for the info. You play White Queen because she's a four six draw a card, right? Like that's that's why you play White Queen. Daredevil, on the other hand, is providing more information than any other card. Mm-hmm. And that's the level of information that you actually need to get in order to uh, make it worthwhile. Right. Like that is the level of information you need to be acquiring game winning intelligence. Mm-hmm. Right. Where to put the Professor X, how to set up the Eliath for the next turn. You need to be acquiring game winning intelligence. Yeah. And that is how that is what Daredevil does. There's definitely tiers of of intelligence. Right. There's like um, there's. Seeing the card they might have, there's seeing the turn they might play, which is Kang, and there's like literally being able to play off the turn they played, which is Daredevil. Yes. Um, like Daredevil is the best of them by far, and for the record, the only one that you can actually play. <laughs> yeah. White Queen, again, that's cheating. If they slap draw a card on any of these cards, it'd be awesome, but mm-hmm. they didn't, so. Yeah, and the 4 6 body used to just be solid at that, at that slot. All right, next one is from Billy Person. Uh, they say, for this reason, um, I don't know what they're referring to, but it basically said the same the strategy of deck building and snap. Do you guys ever feel like you struggle to either stay excited about playing as much or do you have enough interesting stuff to fill a weekly podcast with? I think it's more, it's less about filling some weekly podcast stuff with, but more about the current stage of Marvel Snap and the replayability and the current end game. Um, do you feel like it's lacking at all? Does it feel a bit stale? I, I think you're an outlier though, Cam, because you engage in the leaderboard and that's sort of a perpetuating system with other human beings and like that are also competing and you're sort of feeding off of them where if you kind of are just like playing into the void into infinite, just like random infinite or 80s, 60s, or you're just doing conquests, like is there a level of... Um, kind of fatigue or boringness that you get with that. It does Marvel snap lack an end game. Do you think? I couldn't tell you. Cause like you said, I I'm captain fucking leaderboard, right? I'm yeah. aiming to get a rank 69 finish. You feel me? Like yeah. AVP. that's yeah. I, I don't even think about things like what's the end game because I've been in it the entire time I've played this game. I've never not been. And the other players like for the first month you. I played, I was like the fourth ranked player Mm-hmm. in the leaderboard thing that they did. They did like a little temporary leaderboard. Yeah. Coming out of the beta, I was the highest MMR player. Again, like I've never not been in the end game. I've always been in what Marvel Snap considered the end game from the minute, like within 10 days of picking up the game. I've never not been there. Well, you're actually not even in the end game. You're in like some weird, just like alternate end game where uh, <laughs> like your game experience is being perpetuated by the other players that are competing on the leaderboard yes. but then also social media also streaming like all yep. this is not being done by second dinner it's all being done by other human beings to play the game um, yeah like, I, I'm the least I'm the least connected to reality for this question yeah if I was going to answer this question I would say yes I do think that Marvel Snap lacks a little bit of uh, end game or like shit to do after you hit infinite like after you've sort of accomp- hit whatever accomplishment you want to hit whether it is infinite whether it is 70 like currently the only thing that keeps you in the game is this idea of doing daily missions which i know is great for the lizard brain brain but i hate that shit and it, it gets old after a while i think that i don't know it, it captivates you for a little bit and then you're like it's just a chore and you don't really want to do it and you don't really get the dopamine for completing it um but i think right now yeah once you hit infinite if you're not competing in leaderboard i guess you could shoot for some arbitrary leaderboard rank uh there's just not really too much to do um so i would like them to sort of find create ways for us to engage with the game which that, that could be a limited mode I mean, there's a lot of ways to do that like conquest is a great addition but i would like them to keep adding features to to sort of engage with the game um towards like the end of it anyway 
Next one is from Nate um, on, I don't know if it's Andrade or Andrage. Um, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name, Nate. It says, let's pretend the Soulstone nerf never happened, but still assume Thanos needs adjusting in some way to avoid an out, uh, avoid an out of control Profex Dino Alioth meta. What would be a better area to work um, to work on the card Thanos? Should his stones be addressed or perhaps his power and cost? What are your thoughts? It, it's the stones. The stones are Thanos. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my controversial take that I thought about. Hear, hear me out on this one. What if Mindstone only drew one stone? Is that greater or lesser of a nerf than taking the draw off of Soulstone? That is I think lesser of a nerf. It's less, right? Like it's a it's a lesser nerf, and I I, I kind of think that would have been the change I would make. Yeah, that would have been so. But yes, your answer number one is that you have to hit the stones. You could you couldn't hit the power on or the top end of Thanos. Like, what if Thanos was like a six? Irrelevant. Five? Yeah. Ir- irrelevant. Irrelevant. Who gives a shit? Interesting. Surely like, there's some you, number. You hit the stones. No, there's not a number on Thanos. Who gives a shit? Because then you just wouldn't it's, play the Thanos. Like you were just yeah, play you just wouldn't play the Thanos. Who who fucking cares? Like it's it's the stones. And I think th- if they wanted to tone it down a little bit without doing what they did to it, the thing to do would be to hit the mind stone, make it only draw one stone. Mm. Okay. All right. Last one here is from Nicholas. They say, "Here's a question I'd love to talk, love for y'all to talk about." With the ubiquitous use of Chavez, don't you think she needs a rework? As a spike, I like good cards, but it's just boring when everyone is playing the same card and essentially, and essentially decks are 11 cards. Another question is more of a comment on how horrible Mobius is for the game. I get all the good cards. I get, I got all these good cards that are almost unplayable now. Dude needs a rework for sure. And he says, keep up the good okay. work, gents. I want to take this one. I yeah. want to take this one. Take them both. There's two uh, questions there. Well, because I did videos on both of these fucking topics I'll in like the it. last two weeks. I have done full videos on both of these topics. Check me out. Cam best in a snap on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. I'm trying to hit 15K. It'll be really cool if I can do that. Um. Anyway, Chavez is a card that I would consider a rework almost inevitable for. Not necessarily because she's everywhere, but because when you think about what she does to second inner's bottom line, it becomes increasingly clear there, there are two there are two considerations here. One is second dinner's bottom line, and two is when you think about how they nerf stuff, think about what Chavez does, and then you come to the inevitable conclusion that they are absolutely going to fucking nuke her at some point, right? Because when you think about how they handle things, one, the way they handle things is by chopping the, the bottom off. They make things less consistent, but they keep the high roll intact, mm-hmm. right? What Chavez does is make things more consistent in a very boring way. So, like, even from there, you're like, okay, this is on the radar, right? And then you think about it like what Chavez also does is make decks 11 cards and second dinner sells cards. They are a 12th card factory, right? And so when you think about that, it's like the example I would use is look at the destroy deck, a deck that would always run Chavez. But now X23 comes out and they don't always run Chavez. Instead, they run this really expensive 6000 token card. And that helps second inner's bottom line, right? They are a card selling machine. And so between those two things, I think it's like absolutely inevitable. I cannot see them letting this state of affairs go on. The issue becomes, all right, they need to figure out what a good rework is. Mm-hmm. They need to figure out uh, how to do the VFX for it. They need to f- figure out a way to make it satisfying to pool one players because she's an incredibly important card. In do they have one. to justify it at all? I don't like, think they have to justify it. I think they could just point at the player rate and be like, bad. Yeah, that is going <laughs> to. Like, I mean, that's justification, right? Play rate equal yeah. bad. Um, because like, they could just be like, fuck off, guys. Come on. Now. She really, we don't it, want decks to be 11 cards. We made them 12 cards for a reason. She really is old reliable. And I know that there's some high level players or previously high level players that, you know, even in. Places where, I mean, she was absolutely should have been played, would not have played her. But that her effect on Marvel Snap, where you have this like pseudo 11 card deck and you get to draw your critical yep. cards earlier and faster and more consistently. Um, I mean, it's one of my favorite cards in Marvel Snap. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, if they nerf her, it's going to be like, play rate, bad. See ya. Buy this card <laughs> instead. Mobius. What are, your th- yep. what are your thoughts on Mobius? Um... He could stand to be a 2-2 at minimum. I don't think he needs a rework, though. Yeah. It's just like a little hate bear, huh? Yep. 
Yeah, he's just hit him. He's kind of like a little annoying. And it's like, OK, if you could make him a 2-2 and everyone would still play him, you probably should just make him a fucking 2-2. <laughs> <laughs> that's that just seems like something they should absolutely do uh as far as his actual effects i think it's actually good I'd, i i actually think they should play around more in the stop discounts area than they currently are because they i have, uh, they have to I, discounts have been I the think most they have powerful to, thing you can do for like yeah. a fucking year it's crazy i think they have to play around in that in that in that space a little bit more so it's not just you put mobius in your deck maybe there's like a thing with better stats but a slightly worse more conditional ability yeah i empathize with nicholas here that mobius is just it, it's an annoying it's a very efficient annoying hoser where it's just like mm -hmm. It's just too on curve, too seamless to play. Um, I feel like, but th that's the balance of dealing with is they want you to be able to play your, your this card against your opponents that are doing very unfair things to you, right? They're discounting cards, they're copying cards, they're playing cards for cheap. Like they want you to have an option to deal with that strategy because that is a fundamentally broken thing to do in card games. But it's just like, at what level? do they tweak the consistency to where it becomes like unplayable and it's just too clunky and then you are getting rinsed by these decks that are doing just borderline unfair things like discounting cards and playing your cards for cheaper etc so yeah yep. it's a it, i feel like it's a kind of open pandora's box with that one um it's kind of i don't know where they go from there um maybe yeah there's nerf there's two two something like that anyway i want to say thank you to everyone who submitted questions um on last week's youtube video if you want to get your question read out next week you can shoot us a comment on youtube below i appreciate it it's great to talk about that kind of stuff really enjoy it all right cam just to end out here it's kind of our main topic we're going to end on it uh i just brought up some of the two top two best decks and before i go into them i want to give you a chance to talk about why you think uh tech cards are going to enter back into the meta Ooh, you mean like what rogue and shang mm-hmm Okay, so I think the thing about Rogue and Shang is that they're both best when people are not expecting them, which is right now. I can't tell you how many like I saw someone on my YouTube saying like, yo, I actually cut armor from Shuri because Shang-Chi isn't real. And it's like, okay, if you want to beat the shit out of some people right now just make shang chi real again right when you think about why he wasn't real the answer was a combination of like brood and move mid-range and loki making him just like kind of complete dog shit brood is probably a little bit dead move mid-range is still around but with elsa there's like at least a vision for you to hit with the shang and loki like shit i've seen people running it in loki right like that's actually a pretty common thing to do is you're on the shang and a loki and so Given all of that, all of those things together, I kind of feel like we're entering a more normal metagame where people are playing tech cards and they're not worried about their shit getting a And that's part of the reason I'm interested in, in Thanos, right? Because you know what's really good against someone trying to like turn six, swing a lane is just being like, yeah, that doesn't happen. It never happened. It was erased from the timeline. We've pruned it. It's gone. And that's what I think Thanos can do in a way that very few other decks can. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to start trying Daredevil in there because I feel like setting up your turn five with Daredevil is like kind of insane, right? Like you set up the Daredevil and then just instantly win. Because with Eliath, a card like Daredevil gains so much from that because you actually know that you are going to win based on the setup of the end of turn five. So having that perfect information there can really, really, really put you in a valuable spot. So that's yeah. something I'm thinking about. Interesting. With two turn lock. <laughs> Almost. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to read out two deck lists. Uh, the first one we don't really need to talk too much about. It's just the Loki Elsa Bloodstone deck that you've been playing. You've been seeing a lot of success with. And that's Kitty yep. Pride, Maria Hill, Snowguard, Angela, The Collector, Elsa Bloodstone, Mirage, Jeff, Mobius, Rogue, Loki, America Chavez. Um, that deck is good for pretty much all the reasons that you talked about at the very top of the pod. I mean, you talked a lot about this deck, some of the some of the play lines, et cetera. And we've been talking about this deck for weeks. I mean, Elsa's obviously a new addition, but similarly deckless in that. Deckless, I want you to expand upon because brought it up last week, but you said you didn't have enough of an ex experience with it to sort of talk on it yet. That's Thanos. Um, yeah, so th I still don't, for the record. Well... You're gonna have to you have to stretch a little bit because we got to we got to hear about this deck. So this is Elsa Bloodstone. I mean, Thanos. 
I'll right. read out. Okay. Yeah, Elsa Bloodstone, Psylocke, Jeff, Mobius, Shang-Chi, Blue Marvel, Devil Dinosaur, Professor X, Vision Leader, Alioth, Thanos. So I want to drop leader for Daredevil, first of all. Okay. That's what I want to do. Uh, but more than that, I think basically, again, this deck is built to do one specific thing, and that specific thing is a full lockout. It is the closest thing to Galactus we currently have, actually, in my opinion. And I think that that is kind of how you want to deal with it. You kind of want to approach it as a full lockout deck with the Daredevil in there and then just be like, look, other people are going to stay in games they shouldn't, and I'm going to win off of that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would approach the list. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to play it today. We're recording on a Sunday, but the hot location was Savage Lands. And so it's just like, okay, well, I can't do that. Fuck. Because <laughs> like, yeah. Savage Lands, I think, means there's one deck that's good here, and it's uh, Loki. Well, Elsa Loki, because it's an Elsa deck benefiting Savage Lands, right? But it's also an Elsa deck that plays Snow Guard, meaning you like, conditionally get the free wins off of that. So it's like, okay, I don't want to deal with that today. So I'm not going to play Marvel Snap. So I don't have to play uh, four hours of Loki mirrors because I assume I'm not the only person who's smart enough to realize that's what you're supposed to be doing when Savage Lands is the hot location. So yeah, uh, I hate hot locations. That's the real takeaway here. Um, as far as. Oh, God, yes. But I would get rid of the Sunday one. Keep in mind how it affects like the ultra casual player that you know as a way to maybe make the game a little bit more fresh adding this like weird variant controversial take i don't think it helps them okay well why i think the ultra casual player has like one deck they like Mm. and then the hot location says your deck sucks yeah it's like if you have access to these cards, then you get to yeah. own some kids for the day. It's like uh, right. I think it actually. I think it actually hurts ultra casual players. I think it's fucking terrible. Don't do it. Every hot location should be Fogwell's gym. I never want any other hot locations. That's a good one. Yeah, agree. All right, you were, I interrupted you. You were saying something. I don't think it was important. Keep going. All right, it's gone. Well, that's the that's that's the end of the podcast. So for you, all, those of you listening, you enjoy this podcast, you want to help us out, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Helps so, so, so much. The video version of this on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that subscribe while you're there. We're all both on Twitter at BrennanAPG and at KMSMS. Cam is streaming frequently, but he will tell us his schedule now. Uh, evenings. I play in the evenings. I play Marvel Snap in the evenings. That's what I do. It's it's the thing that I do. That's one. That's that's the thing I do. I play Marvel Snap in the evenings. Future rank one coming this season, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'd be interested to see it. I'd be interested to see it. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>